Steve Jobs once said, we're here to put a dent in the universe. Well, FinTech has certainly put a dent in the financial services industry over the past few years. This podcast series focuses on the story of those individuals who took Jobs' advice, the dent makers, if you will. This is the FinTech Five. Na'ama, with a pause. Na'ama. There you go. I can do this. What does it mean, you know? It's a biblical name. Um, it has the, the root of the word pleasant in it. Oh, okay, well, that's pretty good. Yeah, my name's Samuel, which is a biblical name too, um, as I remind my wife all the time when I remind yeah. her what the meaning is. So um, last time we talked, because like I said, we have talked before, very late in the morning for you, which mm-hmm. is actually, but you told me it's kind of funny, that is your best time to work because you have a young child. The young yeah. child's down. Yeah, it's true, and I'm a night person. I've always been a night owl, so it's it's my favorite time to work. You know, when kind of the day's done, my baby's asleep. I have taken care of all the daily tasks, and during the night is when I can get my alone time, thinking time, visioning time. I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, I, I I like that. I am not a morning person, so I can somewhat relate. Although. The older I get, the more that late night thing's not working for me. My definition of late night is about 8 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I know what you're saying. So you're the co-founder and CEO of Saucery Technology. I love the name of your company. Can you describe the company for the listeners that aren't, aren't familiar with it? Yes. Yeah, so Sorcery Technologies is a company based out of San Francisco. And our goal is to help small and medium business owners to streamline their daily operations. And one of the things that every business owner is dealing with on a regular basis is payments, payments to suppliers and vendors. This is, you know, part of uh, our daily routine in running a business. Um, and the process of paying suppliers and especially in the food service and hospitality industry, which is the vertical we've been focusing on uh, predominantly for the last couple of years is still very outdated. It's um, it's not changed for many years. It's all based on papers. Paper invoices are being delivered to a restaurant every single day by you know suppliers who are shipping um, boxes of produce or or meat, um, and are accompanied with a paper invoice that has to be processed and has to be uh, input into um, into an accounting system and has to be approved, and then has to be paid on time so the supplier doesn't cut the restaurant off its daily deliveries and so on and so forth. And most recently, uh, in the last year, we also expanded a service to businesses in other verticals. For example, one of our largest customers is running an e-commerce business, they have uh, three different fulfillment centers where they receive shipments from vendors all over the world. And then they sell those products, uh, which, is, which are high-end high uh, men accessories uh, on the internet. And they too have the same problem. They have to deal with many different products coming with uh, paper invoices, or in some cases, PDF invoices that have to be processed, approved. The data has to be extracted and payment has to be made. And so our goal is to really streamline this process on behalf of buyers uh, with an online automated accounts payable platform, which processes paper and digital invoices, extracts the data, including line item data, which is extremely important when, you know, as a business owner, you want to track the cost of, uh, of, of what you're producing or what you're selling. We integrate with accounting systems so you don't have to manually do the data input. And we enable you to pay your bills online in a very flexible 
transparent uh, interface. And then on the vendor side, now that we've been running the system for a couple of years, we've been interacting with thousands of vendors um, all over the country that have been getting their payments through the sorcery platform. And so in the last uh, six months, we've released an accounts receivable component or the accounts receivable um, aspect of the platform, which enables vendors to receive payments through sorcery as well. And so now finally, we're starting to accomplish the original vision of becoming a two-sided platform where both buyers and vendors can interact, can issue invoices, uh, receive payments, and manage their uh, cost of goods information. You know, it's kind of funny in, in the fintech and just the tech space itself. We we talk about all these new business models that are coming out and all these this vision for, I guess we'd call it blue ocean or greenfield, but that concept of brownfield or, or existing business models, which need a little kickstart, there, there's a lot of work that can be done there and, and, you know, and your company's doing that. Yes, exactly. I mean, we're taking a process that has been the same and is not going to um, you know, materially change. The, the notion of exchanging goods and services and payments is always going to be uh, what it is, but the way of doing it can improve and can become more streamlined clearly with you know, web technologies, cloud-based technologies, and, and mobile. Um, and that, that is a big difference for our customers, um, especially, you know, in the restaurant space where people are running very intense businesses. They're kind of fighting fires on all sides. Being able to have access to all of your payment information uh, at the tip of your fingers, uh, whenever, you, wherever you are, whenever uh, during the day is very powerful because you're essentially getting a sense of your cash flow position and that enables you to run your business better. You know, and in, in this interview series I've done, and I've also done that Femtech Leaders interview series, so I've interviewed a lot of, a lot of people, like 300 plus now. It is amazing how many of y'all have a degree in political science. I don't know what the hook is for Femtech and political science, but you studied political science at Tel Aviv University, right? That's correct, yeah. I studied, uh, I did a double major in political science and economics. I think you grew up in Italy. I think the last time we talked, if I remember right. So Italy to Tel Aviv... And I believe you lived in a in a small community, a kibbutz, if I got the word right, for a while. Yeah, so I actually, I grew up in Israel. I was born in a small village in Israel, which is called Moshav in Hebrew, um, which basically had a communal um, way of living where the agriculture was shared among everyone that was living in the village. The cultural life was shared. And so I was exposed to the business of food in some, in some sense from very earlier on. Uh, my father had a turkey farm and orchards that he inherited from his parents, and he later was a partner in running a bakery and was doing a lot of uh, commodity trading. And it's kind of interesting how many years later, from a technology perspective, I still uh, came to address the needs of people in the food um, and, and hospitality industry. Um, then I lived, uh, basically, later on in life, I went to live in Italy, and I lived in Italy for about three years, and then came back to Israel, started my degree at Tel Aviv University, and transferred to Cornell. And I've been in the U.S. since 2002. So I, don't, I grew up in Detroit. I don't even know what a turkey farm is, but I, <laughs> I didn't know you could plant turkeys. I'm learning so much. Um, all right, so we're, we're down to our last minute. Let's call it rapid fire. And um, you, you've had at least, I don't know, a couple of weeks to prep for this question. So you have to know what's coming. So here we go. You ready? Okay. Way back when in Stanford, you helped a professor write a, a thesis on, I'm going to read this again, 
Institutions and a Path to Modern Economy, Lessons from Medieval Trade. This is a long time ago, folks, 2006. But still, we talked about Venice a lot and the lessons in the digital era that came out of Venice. So I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> what would you say are the one or two key things or takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the, the key thing is uh, collaborative agreements. And Venice was one of the original places where collaborative trade agreements develop um, and were basically issued and supported by a council of people, even though there was one kind of a, a head of state, which was called the Duce, it was like the Duke. Um, he really had more of a formal role um, and the state was actually managed by a council of people, which contributed to its stability and to its ability to fulfill those contracts which were made internally between different families, as well as externally between Venice and other uh, maritime uh, nations, uh, both in Europe as well as, you know, in, uh, in the Byzantine uh, world. So if anything, I would say figuring out a way to maintain co collaboration and, um, and open collaboration is definitely something that we can learn from Venice. Um, and I think one thing that we are getting with technologies is the ability to collaborate across multiple places with much more transparency and much more velocity than we've ever had before. You manage that very, very well. You can tell you've had some prep time. <laughs> where where can we learn more about sorcery and the work you're doing there? www.getsorcery.com. Um, and it's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com. That's our website and where you can find all the information about us and our products and our services. And And if you want to learn more about Venice... <laughs> we'll start a blog and <laughs> you can learn. Yeah. Everyone can hit me up on my email, which is nama.getsorcery.com. I'd be happy to chat. You're the first person to give out their email address. You are incredibly brave. Thanks for taking the time. <laughs> Sounds good. I appreciate your time and thank you so much.